When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. Let us be among the first to wish everybody out there a happy holidays. Of course, those who celebrate Hanukkah already in full swing of their holiday season. Those who celebrate Christmas, that's coming up here this weekend. So a happy holiday to you and yours, but Horwat, let's talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins. And we will have a little bit more Christmas stuff at the end of the episode. We're actually going to do a holiday snake draft with three of our favorite holiday movies and then two each of our favorite holiday episodes, whether it be from sitcoms, dramas. I assume we're both going to end up going with sitcoms, but uh, that's just how it goes around this time of the season. But before we get into the fun stuff, let's get down to brass tacks, Horwat, the Pittsburgh Penguins, get a bit of revenge against the New York Rangers on Tuesday. They wore the robo pen again. So have you looked at your regular home jerseys and said, oh, that's what they look like? No, I totally forget what they look like. But hey, it seems like that trend will finally break tonight. Um, and normal uniforms will be worn. I forget who it was. I saw someone tweet that uh, the uniform was getting stale. And that seemed, they seem to be in agreement with me that it is just getting stale after so many wears this early in the season. We're not even halfway through the year. And we've worn the RoboPen quite a lot. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. We're not here to talk about sweaters. I mean, it is ugly sweater night, but that's for, again, for a different day. Um, the Penguins beat the Blue Shirts. They did. How about that? It, it went while wearing white, but who cares? Anyway, um, yeah, it, was not, it wasn't It was a game where the team was focused on getting revenge per se, but I know a lot of the fans wanted that. A lot of, um, you know, people wanted to see them sort of not exercise some demons, but get back at them in a way and yeah i'm sure the team had that in the back of their mind too but they also did want to put that loss in the past mike sullivan said last year was last year this is a new season we're gonna be battling with them for a playoff spot all year and so far they got the upper hand to start yeah and i think it was fitting that they wore those jerseys because what you look at with this this rivalry now one playoff series later and it's renewed it's just like it was in the the mid 2010s when it was lungfist versus flurry and Lungfist versus the Penguins in 2013, 2014, 2015 uh, postseasons, or sorry, it was 14, 15, 16. Um, and also, more apropos, like it was in the early 90s. You know, everybody remembers the Adam Graves slash to Mario Lemieux. Now, the RoboPen had not debuted yet, but it debuted a year later. And 
you know, lest we forget, Mario Lemieux scored most of his goals in his career against John Van Beesbrook. So, Penguins, Rangers, big rivalry, renewed one of the Penguins' biggest rivals once again, and it was one of the most anticipated regular season games this season, specifically at PPG Paints Arena. I mean, you think about it, it's probably Malkin's 1,000th celebration, then this game, as of right now, the two most anticipated games to this point in the season. And the Pittsburgh Penguins, they didn't start off well. Uh, they didn't step up to the plate early in the game. Actually, the entire first, like, 20 to 35 minutes of the game, they really hadn't stepped up, and then one really big hit from Ricardo Kell turned things around. Oh, it did. It did in a big way. I think, like again, Mike Sullivan called it a tale of two games where, you know, the first half they didn't have it, um, but there's something about this Penguin team that can go down one nothing early. I mean, this is like the third time in seven or eight games that they've given up a goal. Not just the first goal. I mean, they've done that a couple more times too, but giving up a goal in the first minute. It, giving up the first goal in like the second period like they did against Carolina mm-hmm. uh, is one thing. <clears throat> but it's a whole nother concept giving it up in the first minute. Now you could say there's a whole 59 minutes to reclaim it, which the Penguins took good, great advantage of. But at the same time, if you're down one that early, you know, let's say it's null and void, but then you give up another, well, suddenly you're down two. Mm-hmm. Who knows how much time is left exactly. It's a bit tougher to come back from. So the fact that this team, and mostly Tristan Jari, is able to bounce back from giving up a goal that early. Again, it's not that it's like the second period. It's not that it was middle of the first. No, that early. First shot of the game most of the time. And they're losing. Now, you don't want that to happen, but this team's showing resilience and just no quit to pull back into the game. Jari's shutting it down immediately after. And it's a hell of a thing to see. And yeah, it, makes it feel like a tale of two games. The Penguins didn't have it in the first period, part of the second, then that hit happens, that power play ensues immediately after. And I was watching Malkin. I was going to text you and then it just happened. Uh, I was going to text you at some point and say, Malkin's got a little fire. Like The Rangers were getting under his skin, mm-hmm. I could tell. It was either going to be a huge retaliation penalty <laughs> or a huge goal. Mm-hmm. And, like, as I'm thinking about it, I'm like, I should send this text because that's probably what's going to happen. He scored. And I went, so we got my answer, at least. It was the huge goal that tied it up and eventually led to uh, a pretty fun victory, actually. That entire second line was getting a little feisty. Evgeny Malkin, we've seen get fired up, but I have never seen Brian Rust uh, in that type of mood. He gets a little bit of feisty after he scores the go-ahead goal late in the second period. Put the Penguins up 2-1 to one after he whiffed on a really good opportunity at first but goes straight to the net, gets that redirection goal, and then gets cross-checked right into the net by Ryan Lindgren, who was one of the big players in last year's seven-game series in a lot of the physical play and a lot of the the getting-under-the-skin category. But it looked like he was about to pounce on him. Kasperi Kapanen holds him back. Everybody's obviously seen the video at this point. But I thought Rust, as far as that game was concerned, especially in the second half, he was all over the ice. So even if it's him getting a little feisty and having to be held back, I saw a lot of fire from Brian Rust in the remainder of the game that made me excited because he's been okay this season. He had that really long drought. He's been okay, but we haven't seen the killer Brian Rust. And and that's what I thought we saw on Tuesday, which is only a good thing for Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah. And the, the the almost chasing down Lindgren was one thing. I forget which team it was. It was in like the first game or two uh, where 
I don't know if he scored or you got the assist, but he was in the crease and there was a defender that that was sitting under him and it looked like he Kobe stepped over him mm-hmm. or AI stepped over him, whichever one it was. But he like screamed right in his face while this dude's just sitting in the crease. I think it was the Phoenix game. It may have been the home opener. Mm-hmm. So I've seen Rust have this little play with a little tension and down in front and it's really fun to see and obviously it's paying off the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's exactly what pulled it around and... Yeah, Kapanen stepping in to make sure cooler heads prevailed is fun. And then um, really funny with uh, Jason Zucker afterwards uh, saying that um, that Brian Russ has fought his pillow seven times in his career. What was even funnier is it practiced the next day. <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to say because I was there and it was really funny. There was a little moment where the Peng, Penn's TV, I think it is doing it now. Uh, they had a junior reporter and they're... It was like this little kid. He's talking to, he's talking to Zucker, and Brian Rust from the next stall over just interrupts and goes, "Ask him about his pillow fight last night." So these two have a phenomenal friendship and a, a phenomenal little thing that it's great that they're sharing a line. They're able to go back and forth with each other, and not only is it paying off in the locker room, it's paying off on the ice because those two are. When Brian Rust is hot, we know how good he can be, and when Jason Zucker is really good, he's really good this year. So. Mm-hmm. They're a couple of the most fun players to watch on this team right now. Yeah, and, and Rust, it wasn't just that goal where he he had a really good opportunity. You look into the third period, almost brought the house down. And I'm getting annoyed, Horwat, because there have been six or seven times this season where whether it's Brian Rust, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin's done it a couple times, they deke through one or two defenders, makes it look beautiful gets ready to score one of the highlight goals of the season and they haven't been able to put any of them away and it just seems like they're getting so many great opportunities and creating so many like jaw-dropping moves to get in front of the net and they haven't been able to bury those like I'm not going to complain they got the win but one of these times and they're all at home ice so one of these times they have to bury one of these chances and bring the absolute house down I think that's just a testament to how good defense has gotten around the league this year because uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. They're getting these breaks, uh, and then either, then like a defenseman is just getting back just in time. Um, they're getting beat, but <clears throat> they're not getting beat like Joseph did uh, in the Rangers' second goal. Where, I mean, what, the other defense was just down and out. There was nothing much we could do about it, and Kreider's not missing that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I, I get what you're saying. It is kind of annoying seeing it happen so often yeah. to no avail, but. I mean, hey, we're not watching a video game here. A bunch of different things can happen. That you know, making doing a play like that, making like succeeding in that, the puck moves, it bounces, it gets on edge again. It's not just gonna be puck on a string right back to your stick. Things happen. You gotta do it the right way. Mm-hmm. And defenses are just damn good now, especially uh, against the Penguins. It seems mm-hmm. so. It happens. I mean, eventually they score. <laughs> And they're scoring ugly goals this year, they which are. is even huge, which is even bigger. Yeah, that's been the key to all of this winning that they've done in the past 15 games. Uh, I believe it's actually in the past 16 games they have 13 wins. Um, a lot of those goals have come from right in front of the net. A lot of those goals have come from in the crease. And the Penguins have taken notice of that and have started to emphasize that a little bit more. But to, to close the book on the Brian Rust 
performance. He finished with the only the one goal, but he had six shots on goal, which is the most that he's had in a game since December 1st. So definitely something about that matchup against the New York Rangers. They got his juices flowing and he produced and was a factor the entire back half of the game, which I thought was key for the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, to taking that one. But it's funny you mentioned the Brian Russ, Jason Zucker friendship relationship. It almost seems like it's big brother, little brother for Jason Zucker being the big brother and Brian Russ being the little brother, even though they're only five months apart in age. Jason Zucker was born in January of 1992, Brian Rust in May of 1992. So it's weird that it's almost like Rust treats Zucker like he is 10 years older than him, but realistically they're separated by what? 150 days. Just some time, not much. Yeah. Cause I remember thinking about that and, you know, I thought maybe it was because, oh, maybe they're just, like, from the same state. They have some sort of good... No. I mean, Russ is from Michigan and Zucker's from California. So, hey, you know what? Still, it's something that uh, those two having that kind of chemistry is awesome. Mm-hmm. And it's really helping the second line out. And we could see how much it's helping Gino out as he's popping off this well this year as well. Well, I guess we buried the lead with the whole Jason Zucker thing is he did return from injury. We will talk about that after the break and then we'll get into a nice little stat that I looked up. The Penguins being on pace for a rare feat in the Crosby era. We'll talk about that after the break. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. He is Nick Horwat. I am Nick Berlansky, and everybody is getting ready for this massive winter storm that is hitting. You right now are seeing rain, and I'm about an hour and a half east, and I'm seeing heavy accumulations of snow. Yeah, apparently it's not supposed to come here until tomorrow morning. Well, I, I guess you might have lucked out. Well, it depends. If all that rain freezes, then that's that's, that's rough. But we've definitely gotten snow here uh, in Johnstown. But let's talk about Jason Zucker. We talked about his little brother that has fought in seven pillow fights in his career, Brian Rust, in the first segment. Let's get to Big Brother, who's fought at least 14 pillow fights in his career, I think we would say. Uh, Jason Zucker returns to the Pittsburgh Penguins on Tuesday In my opinion, it's ahead of schedule. When we heard it was week to week, I guess technically when you hear that, one week could be in the question, but he misses only two games, gets out there against the Rangers. What did you think of his performance in his first game back? He looked good. He just looked healthy. He looked to be uh, pretty much back to normal, not missing a beat. That's usually what you want to see from uh, guys returning from injury, especially whenever we thought it could be a little bit longer. Whenever I hear week to week, I think at least two yeah. maybe like i think at least two weeks um and it was interesting that it was only one he didn't say much on it is after his first practice he didn't he didn't say much on uh his recovery on uh if he'd be coming back it was more of a uh more of a no change in status but then the next mm-hmm. day there he is uh in the game so <laughs> um exactly what we wanted to see though from him just Came back, looked healthy, uh, didn't have to score, got an assist, though. So, um, just all in all, solid return. We know what he's going to be doing this year. It's going to be, you know, having a resurgence of a year back into what we expect of him 
normally. I mean, it's good that he was only able to miss two games just because of how battered and bruised he's been since getting here. Mm -hmm. I mean, he only played 41 games last season. Quick math, he played 38 of 56 the year before, uh, and both of those seasons were down years for him statistically. So the fact that he's able to only miss two games of the, with this recent injury, uh, he can get right back right back on track to where he wants to be because he's already got more points this year than he did in the last two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in less games played as well, which is nice for, for Jason Zucker. I think it's even better for the Pittsburgh Penguins because – you're in the midst of a really, really tough stretch, already two and one on that stretch, which is a good start, but you have seven more games against really tough opponents. Even the the Detroit Red Wings being in the middle of there, they're not a, they're not a slouch team. They're a young team with a lot of talent that if you take lightly, they're going to take the two points from you. So this is a very important stretch for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and it's massive that Jason Zucker was only out for two games, and we hope that he can stay in Obviously, the rest of the season, knock on wood, but it's even bigger for Zucker because he's on a contract year. I mean, he's making, what, $5.1 million this season, and he had come out and performed in a way that, yes, he was going to be a player in free agency if he made it that far next offseason, but he needs to continue this pace, and he needs to show that he can stay healthy to get that next contract the where the place that he wants it to be at. 5-5, five, five, by the way. Hey. Yeah, it's... 5-1. I'm thinking of... Sorry, Doomlin's 4.1, but go You're ahead. thinking of Brian Rust, who's 5-1. No, five, one, five, but yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's he's an interesting concept for the Penguins right now. As, as helpful as he is and as good of a player as he is and how vastly improved he has been, um, he's going to be an interesting contract to negotiate or not, let's be honest, or not this upcoming offseason. Obviously, that's a conversation we're going to have plenty of times mm-hmm. down the line, I'm sure. But you never know with a guy like Jason Zucker. I mean, he's 31. How long does he want? How much money is he going to earn? Because we also have a goalie who's going to make a lot of money. Yeah. So, I mean, he's one of those guys that don't be shocked if you don't see him back next year. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if you can get him at a good price, ton of fun. But for now, it's... uh. Ugh, that's a conversation for another day, mm-hmm. but it's it's good that he's finally earning what he's making. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that made sense. Yeah, he's definitely performing to his paycheck. That's yes. that's certainly what he's been able to do. And on Tuesday, in a first game back off of a lower body injury, I thought he had a really good performance. 17 minutes and 13 seconds of ice time, picked up one assist, didn't have any shots on goal. You'd like to see, obviously, him get one or two shots being a top six player. But he had four hits and had 58% of the expected goals for when on the ice at five on five. A solid performance from Jason Zucker coming off of a lower body injury. But Horwat, this is something that I was just looking around at the stats for the Pittsburgh Penguins and kind of took notice of and wanted to see how often has this happened that the Penguins are on pace to do. And what they're on pace to do right now is have three players hit over a point per game while playing more than 75% of the season. Right now, it's Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Jake Gensel. Crosby has 42 points in 32 games. 1.31 points per game. Evgeny Malkin has 33 points in 32 games, which is 1.03 points per game. And then Jake Gensel has 32 points in 28 games at 1.14 points per game. I said this is a rare feat in the Crosby era. Can you tell me, just guessing, because you clearly don't 
haven't done this in-depth research, <laughs> how many times would you say that that's happened over the Crosby era? How many times? Oh man, that's it's not two? it's not many three. Two? I would because because three is like because three players with over a point per game you look at and say, well, that's not super difficult. This team has had very good players before. Mm -hmm. But in the same vein, you remember, well, we look at a 60-point season for certain guys as, you know, top-line numbers. So, uh, I was... I'm going to hold two. That's such a... I love this stat, though, and I, I can't wait to know how many it is in which years. Mm -hmm. It's actually only happened one time before. But it has almost happened a second time. So the time that it did actually happen in 2017, 18, Sidney Crosby of Genie Malkin and Phil Kessel all played over 75% of the season and all finished with over a point per game. The one time that was close was the following year, 2018, 19 Crosby and Malkin both played over 75% of the season and had over a point per game. Phil Kessel also played over 75% of the season, but finished with exactly one point per game oh so it has to be over over yeah i over because i i saw that i made the parameters and that's why i wanted to bring it up because i made the parameters and i looked back and i said he's really at exactly one point like he's one point away from making this actually true so i had to bring that up so once and then you could even throw it in there and finagle twice that it's happened in the 18 years of Sidney crosby and Evgeny malkin that's and i'm shocked that it's that recent <clears throat> I'm kind of surprised one of those old ones didn't squeak in, uh, or like like even something. I, the numbers weren't phenomenal during the lockout shortened season, but you also that's around the time where Sid and Malkin weren't playing 75% of the season either. Mm -hmm. That's the other part of this whole tr this whole trend is the guys that would be hitting those numbers like Malkin and Crosby. I mean, there was a couple years there where they were lucky to hit 50. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, that's a that's an impressive stat, and it's I'm still a little surprised it took that long. But mm -hmm. Phil Kessel, if any if anyone on this team's in the in the Crosby era was going to do it, yeah, it, it would have been him. Whenever you look at it, and, and some of the ones were interesting, and off the top of my head because I didn't write them down, like the 2013 lockout shortened season, Crosby went off. Obviously, Chris Kunitz almost qualified for this, but Evgeny Malkin was hurt, and then the year. That Evgeny Malkin and James Neal both qualified for this. Sidney Crosby was hurt. So there's opportunities for that. And of course, we obviously want to want to hope for health here. But as of right now, Crosby, Malkin, Gensel doing amazing things in amazing sample sizes and just absolutely blowing away this league. Now, when you look at those seasons, it's not really a recipe for postseason success to have that. So I did want to mention that 2017-18, the team finished with 100 points in the standings second in the Metropolitan Division, and got a loss in the second round to the Washington Capitals. Now, that's probably not anything to do with this trend, more so to do with the fact that they had just come off back-to-back -back cups, and as we all have noted, they were out of gas in that series against the Washington Capitals. But then in the 2018-19 season, they finished once again with 100 points, finished third in the Metropolitan Division, and were swept by the New York Islanders. It was the beginning of the down the downfall. The beginning of the can't win a playoff series in five years. But this season, they are on pace for 108 points, finishing, as of right now, third in the Metropolitan Division. Oh, man, the Metro is good, isn't it? We'll have to see 
uh, what results that nets. And we'll have to see if they can continue this pace. But I thought it was interesting that we are nearly halfway through the season and these guys are all playing at this level. And just another stat to highlight how impressive it is that these players are doing it at this level. And think about it. These guys did it five years ago with Kessel. They're now 35 and 36 years old and doing it with Jake Gensel. That's the impressive part. That is the impressive part that these guys are a little more seasoned and it's they're still doing this. And that's why Sidney Crosby, we had the discussion a few weeks ago why he should be in the MVP conversation and why we talked last week why he's one of the top of all time uh, because it is this age that he's doing it at. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's got the team around him. But at the sa- in the same vein, Jake Gensel's still not respected enough in the throughout the league. So he's but he's finally getting there. And Ricard Raquel, I mean, he's a great player, but only recently is he starting to get this real big notoriety, and I think it could just be the market that he's playing in is a little more conducive to hockey. Um but he's also but he's but he's not Phil Kessel. Mm. You know what I mean? He he's playing with great players that weren't at different levels i don't know where i'm going with this i'm saying he's boosting everyone's numbers around him as well and that's part of what makes him so good Mm -hmm. yeah so whenever you look at this you have to really think about the fact that you know these players what they're doing is still special and that is something that when you see what they're able to do with a guy like jake gensel and honestly just continue to do it over 18 years 19 years shoot i wouldn't be surprised if they do it over the pace of 20 years full Tom Brady on it. Uh, it's just an, a remarkable feat. But any last thoughts, Horwat, on the Pittsburgh Penguins heading into tonight's game against the Carolina Hurricanes? Because it's the last game before the quick holiday break, four days off for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, I think this is the game more or less where you want to really pull out, finally pull out a win against a team like this. Mm-hmm. Everyone wanted revenge against the Rangers. Sure, fine, get it. But last season was last season. Um. This is a team that you want to beat. You want to finally get one over on Carolina uh, because just because of how the last two games against this team have gone, mm-hmm. right? Had them in overtime. Probably could have had them in overtime if, you know, all three players on the ice didn't stop playing. Yeah. And then last game, you know, you, you kind of had them against the ropes for a minute. You had that Brock McGinn goal where you started thinking, oh, maybe this is it. And then just Jordan Stahl was Jordan Stahl. Turned vintage on us. So... This is the game where you want to finally hold on to what you have um, in terms of proving you are a better team. Again, Carolina, as good as they are, they still feel new to this, don't they? They still feel like they are not the contenders that they just might be, but they still feel very new to the game. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. They're a great team, obviously. Gonna be, Are they leading the division yet? They are. They're tied for the division lead, but they have the tiebreaker over the New Jersey Devils. Yeah, because the Devils are coming back to earth. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it's... They feel very new to this still, and I know they've felt very new for five years now, it seems, (laughs) but they have to have their breakout eventually. But until that really happens, they still feel like not as good of a team, so we got to find something over them. Here's the thing with this matchup tonight for the Pittsburgh Penguins. We don't have to get into the nitty-gritty of how they match up against the Carolina Hurricanes. We saw it on Sunday evening, I guess it would be. I was going to say afternoon, but I guess it's evening. Uh, And we talked about it on Monday. These two teams are extremely evenly matched. And you're going to see that again tonight. But for the Pittsburgh Penguins to go into the holiday break with a win 
over not just the Carolina Hurricanes, but back-to-back -back wins over the Rangers and the Hurricanes on home ice, and to pull within two points of first place in the Metropolitan Division. I understand both Carolina and New Jersey have games tomorrow before they get a break. But to be able to, when you go to break, say, hey, we're two points off of the Metropolitan Division lead, considering where they were at the beginning of this season, that's going to be a massive feat and a massive boost in confidence for this Pittsburgh Penguins team if they can pull it off. Oh, it will be. It absolutely will be. Now, whether or not they're going to be able to beat Pyotr Kochetkov, if he's in the net, that's going to be a different story. But it should be, in my opinion, if all things are considered, Kochetkov versus Jari, which we'll get to see that matchup, I believe, for the first time this season. Or did we see Kochetkov in the first game? I think we did. Okay, so it'll be the second time that we see it this season. Which, listen, that 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 netminder down there, they might have found somebody there. But as you've mentioned before, goaltending is voodoo, and they gave the kid the uh, the contract before seeing more than 100 game sample size. So we'll see uh, if that works out for the Carolina Hurricanes, who have struggled to find their goalie ever since Cam Ward left the building. But for tonight's matchup, should be a good one. Penguins against the Carolina Hurricanes right before Christmas break. But since we're heading to Christmas break, we're going to take a quick one here and come back and have our Christmas movie slash TV special, Snake Draft. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. Happy holidays to everybody out there listening, and in honor of the holidays, we're going to do a snake draft. Five rounds. First three are going to be movies, and the last two are going to be special TV episodes surrounding the holiday season. So Horwat, last time we did this... We just kind of toss back and forth, oh, you, you pick first, or you pick first. But this is a snake draft, just to remember. So whoever gets the first pick will pick first. The guy that gets the second pick gets second and third, and then so on and so forth. So Horwat, I have a coin here, and I won't lie, I promise. I cannot tell a lie. Heads or tails for the first overall pick? <clears throat> uh, heads. Heads is the call, and I dropped it. Let me do that again really quickly. And tails is the actual winner. <laughs> I don't know if, if I wouldn't have dropped it, it might have been heads. I have no idea. But I'll have the first round pick, then you have two, and, and so on and so forth. So I'm picking a movie here, and my favorite movie for Christmas. And it's probably not going to go over well once we put this up for voting. I have to go with the Santa Claus. It's a tried and true classic. Tim Allen always has a direct line to my heart, to my funny bone, because of Toy Story, because of this, because one of my other favorite movies, I might not pick it, but one of my other favorite movies is on this list that I might take. But the Santa Claus to me is the quintessential Christmas movie. So I'm going to take that with the first overall selection. Is the other movie the Santa Claus 2 or 3? Uh, no, it is not the Santa Claus 2 or 3. I don't hate those, but they're clearly not as good as the first one. Usually one of these Christmas movies, the original is the best. And that's more often than not what drives a good movie like that into the ground it is the fact that they decided to capitalize on something and make three of them mm -hmm. it's a christmas movie guys you don't need to make three of them mm -hmm. the only ones I, you can make your sequel into a christmas movie i believe that's what bad moms did which by the way hilarious movie yes 
Um, underrated Christmas movie is Bad Mom's Christmas. Yeah, it's. It, but yeah, so I think that's kind of what drives us into the ground. But we know my opinions on movies. Mm-hmm. That's a fine film, I guess. It's, I guess. Here's the thing. Wow. Yeah. Passive aggressive well, for what? Well, because here's the other thing that too that um, we're not talking as a 25 and a 26 year old here. Christmas movies are for kids a lot of the times, mm-hmm. especially like the ones that we fall back on. Like, I mean, what? Santa Claus played on Disney Channel, didn't it? It did, yes. So, it, in my mind, it sticks as a kid's movie, whereas there's not too many adult Christmas movies. There's a lot more now, There's I a guess. lot now. <laughs> and I'm not even talking of those Hallmark, scroll through Netflix no. and find the butt, like... No. Find budgets that are smaller than this podcast to make a movie, like... <laughs> It's wild. But anyway, I digress. I should make a decision here because I get two now, correct? You get two picks for your first and second Christmas movies. Well, I'm glad that uh, I get two in a row because two of my favorites are still on the board. And uh, I have the DVD sitting right here because I prepared for this. (laughs) Um, Choice number one, Christmas Vacation, because it is a standout phenomenal choice. Um, Young Chevy Chase is hilarious and good old Eddie, man. Cousin Eddie. Cousin Eddie. This movie is so good. Mm. Uh, I will watch this thing I would watch this not during Christmas it's so funny Mm -hmm. Um, and then choice number two again I know I just got done talking about kids movies but the Polar Express is a damn classic interesting I didn't even have it on my list Uh, I love the Polar Express A because I loved trains as a kid Mm. Um, and B people bash on the Polar Express for I think for like the animation and everything Uh, I looked it up It it was the first completely animated uh computer made movie Mm -hmm. like there was no acting with those little dots all over you it was completely computer animated uh so it was a groundbreaking film that had to work out all of the kinks and also tom hanks playing every damn character yes (laughs) uh kind of makes up for a lot of things so uh and plus the book is also really fun Mm -hmm. so i'm a polar express guy Yeah, I mentioned, obviously, Tim Allen has a direct line to my heart. Tom Hanks is also high up there on the list of people that have made my childhood, like voices that have made my childhood. Obviously, Woody and Buzz, it's pretty self-explanatory. But no, I didn't have the Polar Express. I thought about it, but I was like, you know what? It's really just not one that I watch enough. Like, rewatchability to me, I thought it was obviously revolutionary. Obviously, you can't hate on Tom Hanks. It's impossible to hate Tom Hanks. But... It's not as rewatchable. National Lampoons, though, I watched it yesterday. I'll probably watch it again tomorrow. I'll probably watch it again on Christmas because it's just that rewatchable. And, you know, Clark Griswold is one of the top characters of the holiday season every single year. So I don't hate on you for that. If you would have left it to four, I would have been shocked. So when I took the Santa Claus, I knew I wasn't going to get uh, National Lampoons coming back around in the other direction. But I have two picks here to close out my movies. And I think the first one I'm going to say, and I put it out on Twitter a couple days ago, got some positive results, some negative responses. I'm putting the original Home Alone as my second pick because I have obviously an affinity for Macaulay Culkin. And I think that that is one of the most rewatchable movies. Like you mentioned National Lampoons, you can watch it at any time. I could watch Home Alone any time of the year and be thoroughly entertained. So Home Alone is number two. But before I pick my third pick, I want to ask you, Horwat, are you somebody that likes Home Alone 2 Lost in New York more than the original? Are you ready for the hottest of takes? I don't like any of the Home Alones. You don't? Why? So here's another thing. 
again, it's one of those movies that I look at and I go, as a 25 year old, I think kind of a kid kid movie, kind of. Kind I of. mean, it really. I mean, it really is it's about a 10 year old who gets left at home alone, hey, for you know, however many, for whatever it is, uh, and also. There's eight of them. <laughs> it's another one of those movies that driven into the ground with sequels. Mm-hmm. And I get they're all successful. Hell, a lot of people prefer the second one over the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't care. I'm also very picky when it comes to Christmas movies. Mm-hmm. Um, just because they're movies I'm only going to watch once a year anyway, so they may as well stand out. And also, I just don't like the mainstream things. I think we've all known this for a long time now. Yeah. So, Home Alone, not my vibe. But I guess it's fine. It's got some scenes. It's it does like I understand that these movie that these movies are iconic. Yes. Like I get that. But some of them just aren't my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Joe Pesci's performance is always something that that makes me laugh. I mean, Marv and Harry are just absolutely phenomenal in, in that movie. So I, I really like that. And I honestly, when you say about the sequels, and I understand it, there's so many of them. But I just do what I do with, like, Marvel right now. It's like, if it's bad, oh well. Then I can just ignore everything that happened post-Endgame. If it's bad, oh well. I can ignore everything that happened after Home Alone 2. Because I do like Home Alone 2. But here's a hot take for those people that like Home Alone 2 more than Home Alone 1. It's the same exact movie in New York. So, that's the only reason you like it more is because you like New York more than you like Chicago. So... Stop getting in my mentions about it's so much better. It's the same exact movie, literally, except for a couple of things switched here and there. So Home Alone 1 is, is, in my opinion, the superior movie. And my last movie pick, before we send it over to you for your last movie pick and your first TV episode pick, I'm going to take Elf. Because I, I we talked about it a couple weeks ago. I can't believe it's that old. But it, it's a classic at this point. You talk about a movie that was instantly a classic when it came out. And to me, that's Will Ferrell in elf yeah I, i've grown on elf a lot more in recent years i'm st- again another hot take here i'm still not the biggest fan of it but i prefer it over um i think home alone so mm-hmm. there's that uh just because uh, will ferrell's grown on me a lot over the seasons and i didn't realize that was zoe deschanel in that movie <laughs> until like two years ago yeah so um and because uh new new girl yeah and because new girl's a phenomenal show mm-hmm. Uh, so that movie's grown on me a little bit more. I still haven't actually sat down and watched it since I was a child, mm. but um, yeah, I think uh, I think that one's up there now. I guess I'll let that one get into the good movie category from now on. There you go. All right, horror. What your final movie and your first TV special episode? You know what? I I'm not going to get into the debate. I'm just going to pick it and move on. Die Hard. Oh my just, god! Just for the just for the memes, I do not care if you think it is or is not a Christmas movie. Um, I honestly think I flip flop every year on my opinion on it. But it is, but Die Hard, it, it is a movie that is much like the Friends Christmas episodes. It as a whole story is happening, just happens to be during Christmas. Mm-hmm. So there, I'm just taking it for the taking it for the reactions and for the memes. Um, and as for uh, a TV episode. We're considering the TV specials as part of that, right? Like, yeah, like yeah. I could you could say, say the Rudolph the, you or could Charlie say Brown, Charlie Brown Christmas, which I'm guessing and is your my pick. S- my sweater behind me here. Uh, Charlie Brown Christmas is an absolute classic. Uh, again, I mean, sixty four, I think sixty five. I was very close. Nineteen sixty five. Um, 
the Charlie Brown classic back in the time where you could still put religion into it and it was acceptable. Mm. Um, so I think it was just one that we were that we all grew up on, right? We all grew up on the Charlie Brown Christmas special and that sad little tree that just needed a little loving. Um, it is one that you could watch, like I said, since 1965. Every year, the message remains the same that um, there is more to Christmas. than to, Think about the fact that they were talking in 1965 about the commercialism of Christmas, and here we are in 2022 celebrating Black Friday before Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, people listened, clearly. But, no, Charlie Brown Christmas is one of the biggest, best classics ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I did not think that that's where you were going to go with it. I, I really didn't, because whenever you initially said it, you said, yeah, let's bring in, like, TV shows, like, this episode. And I was like, okay, cool. So I, I thought I knew which one you were going for, and I'll leave it on the board for you, Horwat. So if you want to take it last, uh, you can, but I won't mention it until uh, we get to that point. I'll go along the same lines as the Charlie Brown Christmas special, and I'll go with the uh, the stop-motion Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. It is... One of the classics, as you mentioned, just as the same as Charlie Brown. And obviously, I already have Buddy the Elf on my team. Buddy is, in my opinion, we live in Pennsylvania, the place where there are two famous groundhogs. So I'm going to, on my team, put two famous elves. We have Buddy the Elf from Elf, and we have Hermie, the aspiring dentist from Rudolph. One of the best weird storylines thrown into a Christmas special in the history of the world. So I'm going with the Rudolph special stop motion, which because also for me to be entertained by stop motion, it takes a lot. And also understanding how long that had to take and how much work that had to be and how much it stands up to this day. I have to go with it. So I'm going to go with the Rudolph Christmas special stop motion from, I don't remember what year I don't have it down. The 50th anniversary was in 2014. So I guess uh, 1964. Oh, all right. Yeah, that's another one that you kind of forget how many different stories are packed into that movie, by the way. Like, mm-hmm. isn't that one of those... Because, again, like, I haven't watched the full Rudolph thing uh, film special uh, in a very long time. But I remember there just being more than just the Rudolph story in there. And it's kind of weird to rewatch as an adult. Um, because there's just so much different nonsense happening. Uh, but the basic storyline of... You know Dasher, Dancer, Donner, Vixen, all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most famous reindeer of all, though. I mean, you got a good song that comes with it. It is the classic that um, year after year I forget to watch, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, and it always comes up, though. Like, if you're mm-hmm. at a holiday party and they yeah. got the TV on, it's always going to come up at some point and you're going to be like, oh, yeah, the stop-motion Rudolph. I love it. And you could think about guys like Yukon Cornelius, which is one of the characters that randomly shows up in uh in that one and it's great so i i always love it and you talk about mine is i guess a little bit more of a childhood side and Mm -hmm. just a child specific team that i'm putting together i'm gonna throw that all out the window with my last pick because i'm going to a show that i don't watch as much as a lot of people do but one of the greatest christmas episodes of all time a lot of people love this show i don't as much I'm going with The Strike from Seinfeld because how can you not love Festivus? Because I got a lot of problems with you people. And 
None of them is the fact that you let me take this Seinfeld episode because I, I watch it every single year. I watch it multiple times a year, and I'm happy that I have it on my team. You gotta have Festivus. And I think I didn't take it because I actually haven't watched uh, Seinfeld yet. I still need to. Um, so I don't have the connection of the characters mm -hmm. or the... Uh, or the show. But I do understand the episode, and I do love the episode. I do think that is a phenomenal choice. Also, is it technically a Christmas episode? It's a Festivus episode. It's a fest it's a Festivus episode, and I'm un unfortunately, last year, our tip of the iceberg came out on Festivus, so we did a whole big thing about Festivus. This year, we're just going to mention it, and it's going to be my last pick. Not Mr. Irrelevant, which you have the honors of crowning, but it is my final pick of this draft. Festivus is tomorrow, right? It is tomorrow. It is Christmas Eve Eve. Christmas Eve Eve. <laughs> Talking about friends. Um, yeah, that's right, because it goes my dad's birthday, which is today, the 22nd, Festivus, then Christmas. Um, wow, uh, no, skips I over Christmas Eve. Choice. Okay, cool. I, I, okay, listen, Christmas is Eve and day. We all know this. Uh, if I have to pick just one episode. Mm -hmm. You know what? Of all of the episodes, the there's obviously so many good ones. The Every every Office Christmas episode's great. Mm -hmm. Um most of the Friends ones are great, and I'm going to stick with Friends and just take the Holiday Armadillo episode. <laughs> I mean, you can't go wrong with the Holiday Armadillo, Superman, and Santa trying to teach the Sprouse twins about Hanukkah. The Sprouse Merry twins Christmas. that weren't twins in that show? No, but they both played them, I think, didn't they? Yes. I think. Um, <laughs> what a great episode. Um, and really, like I said, it's... I rewatched all the Friends Christmas episodes recently, and I kind of realized that there's not a lot of Christmas storyline in most of them. It is really just an episode that takes place during the holiday, or around the holiday, because a lot of them actually center around New Year's. The The Friends Thanksgiving episodes are the ones that stand out, mm -hmm. but uh, the holiday armadillo all of a sudden just shoves its tail yeah. into this conversation, and that's where it deserves to be. Yeah, I mean, when you look at a lot of these episodes, I had The Office on there as well but if you have to pick just one of them i feel like a lot of these are like yeah the office christmas episodes are great to just sit down and watch but none of the office christmas episodes have a moment or a storyline that stands out as much as the holiday armadillo so i have no ill will towards your final selection but i will say i did have as an honorable mention i guess we'll say i had the office christmas party of season two as the one that i would have picked if i had to with an office episode because one Yankee Swap. That is just hilarious. Uh, two, it is the first appearance in the entire show of Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration. So very important episode in the show. And three, because the one-liner of Michael Gary Scott saying, well, happy birthday, Jesus. Sorry your party's so lame, is one of my favorite laugh-out-loud moments of the entire show. Yes, those are some very good moments and there's like Moroccan Christmas which the Moroccan. Then there's like those ones that are two episodes I think mm -hmm. the uh the Benny Hanna fancy Christmas Chris but yeah like so that one gets confusing um but uh, also just if we're gonna keep kids kid stuff involved in this uh special shout out to the Spongebob Christmas episode because also classic mm -hmm. still stands up to this day I don't care that I'm 20 well, Horwat, that is our list. My team goes as follows. The Santa Claus, Home Alone, Elf, the Rudolph Stop Motion Christmas Special, and Seinfeld's Festivus episode. Your list, Horwat, is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, The Polar Express, Die Hard, Charlie Brown Christmas Special, and The Holiday Armadillo of Friends. Two solid teams right there. I don't know which one's going to take the edge when I put the poll up. 
I have Die Hard on DVD, too. I should have brought that out. I don't know why I didn't. Oh, because sometimes I don't think it's a Christmas movie. <laughs> Yet it's on your Christmas I just love the memes, man. List. Yeah. <laughs> also, there's a Friends connection there, too. Remember when uh, Chandler and Joey just watched all of the Die Hards? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they watched all of them. And also, there's another one, uh, another show that I love, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, that their Christmas episodes had a lot of Die Hard involved in that as well. I forgot about that show. Mm-hmm. Damn. You know what show doesn't have a Christmas episode? This Then we can end this tangent. Uh, One Tree Hill. I never watched One Tree Hill. Me and Megan crushed it during the pan- during the beginning of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I realized that like, about halfway through, it's like, we haven't had a Christmas episode yet. That feels like a show that takes place in a Hallmark town. So why would they not have a Christmas episode? <laughs> it's a Hallmark town? Hey, you, you don't talk about Tree Hill like that. Well, sorry. I guess I guess I've just offended you. Oral. But uh, before we go, any uh, special, what am I saying? And any other movies that you wanted to just give mention to before we, we say goodbye for this? No, because I got Bad Mom's Christmas in there. Uh, I Listen, none of them are coming to my head right now, so I'm just going to say uh, Merry Christmas, everyone. Watch whatever movie you like because, mm-hmm. hey, you don't need to listen to my opinions. It's also going to be cold critical. for the next three days, like extremely cold. So Yeah. Oh, that, here, Christmas, the, A Christmas Story, overrated. It is. Very much overrated. Would not fly these days, but I think a lot of movies wouldn't fly these days that we're going to continue to rewatch anyway Mm. anyway merry christmas everyone enjoy your holiday um we will be back when we're back we will be back when we're back uh, and we will announce when we're back once we actually discuss it but uh before we go i will say the one what am i gonna say tim allen movie that i really liked that had on my list would have taken if i needed to christmas with the cranks is underrated very good christmas movie and neither of us mentioned jim carrey's how the grinch stole christmas um Eh, but oh, well. a reason for that. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that might be... Or it. the regular Grinch we didn't mention. How about that? Or the regular Grinch. Or the regular Grinch. But that's going to do it for this episode. We're getting off the rails. We're getting off of, you know, not that we were on topic to begin with. But um, we're going to call it a day. That's going to do it for this one. Everybody have a very happy holidays. And we will see you after the holiday break. Bye.